How many people were up on Facebook and saw the little review I put up there last night? How many did not see it? I don't know what we're going to do to help you all get to see that, but uh, <clears throat> I put it up pretty early. Well, not too early, but I put it up last night to see if that would help out. But you may be able to write, relate to some of this, that there are, might be people at work, people at home, people in your family, people in your neighborhood, people that are around you. They only see things from their limited point of view and how decisions or actions affect them. Do you know people who look at the world that way? Everything is about how it affects me. Then they develop expectations of you or they make accusations against you. So what do you do as a Christian? People have done this. They have a very limited viewpoint. They only see things from their perspective. They only see things to how I will be hurt. They only see things as to how I will be helped. How do we deal with these, these folks? They have developed expectations of you. They have even made accusations against you based on these things that they have. How does God expect you to respond? Now, you may have heard from God on a matter. Most Christians believe that they've heard from God on things that they are acting on. You may even have a perspective that comes from His Word. You've read His Word. you studied His Word. You have a perspective on things, maybe how things are going in the world, maybe things how, are, how things are going with people. But you have developed a perspective that comes from the Word, or maybe God spoke to you. Or maybe you have talked to a whole lot of people to get the full breadth of what's going on. And someone, even another Christian, don't have to be a heathen, comes along with their opinion of what you should do. Anybody around people that has an opinion about what you should do? Well, you ought to be doing this. They got an opinion of what actions need to be taken. And they try to push it off on you. So, do you go with the direction that you feel God is leading you? Do you go with the direction that you feel is in His Word? Or do you try and keep the peace and go along with the expectations? How many have ever felt pressure to be in that situation? I either go with what God has told me or I give in to the pressure of the people that are around me. How am I supposed to respond? What am I supposed to do? Maintain my Christian witness, my Christian character? They go on, they create strife. You feel like that strife can push you in a direction one way or another. And if you stand your ground and do what you feel that God has said to do, strife is going to increase. You ever felt that one? <laughs> well, there's a story in the Word of God that this exact thing happened. It's a story you are very familiar with, but you may not have, uh, if you saw the post last night, you may not have come to think about what it is. But over in John chapter 11, we're going to be over there. Now last week we were looking at the peacemaker Pilate. Pilate is one who tries to be a peacemaker, but he does it through his flesh. When you try to be a peacemaker through your flesh, you're going to be doing a lot of appeasement. Appeasement will only bring peace to the level that your flesh can endure. And as soon as you hit the end of that, you're going to blow up, they're going to blow up. It's not going to go well. 
Now, I told a story a couple weeks ago, and someone from church on the way out last week was kind enough to let me know that something may not have been right. I do appreciate that, because they, they told me this. Oh, I can't believe I left that, that thought. But I shared this, this Sister Gray story. That's one of my favorite Brother Hagen stories, the Sister Gray story. And I left out, apparently, a detail. And this person was listening very closely. <laughs> I appreciate that. And uh, let me know. Well, how can somebody pray and take me out of the hand of God? And they cannot. I left out the detail that Sister Gray was not conscious. She was not uh, able to pray on her own. Now, my wife has been having some questions in the prayer class. And uh, one time I think she came home or I don't know if she came home when we were talking about it or if uh, she was getting ready for it. And we, we did. And some of the questions went in here into that area. So I had already uh, developed a page. I got a lot of notebooks around. And I, got, I started on this notebook and I started writing some things down. Um, how are we to pray for those that are unconscious? How can we pray? And be authoritative. Not just, well, God, try and do something in there. I, I really love them. I don't, want to, I don't want to lose them, but just get in there and try and help them out. Uh, sometimes we're just kind of praying along those lines. But what is the authoritative thing that we can do and it, I was amazed sitting down and writing down how many stories are in the Word of God that will teach you on this matter. But we're not, we're not there yet. I don't know when we're going to do it. I was sharing with folks on Wednesday night. I don't know when we're going to do it. I'm writing down. I had some notes. And after a while, you just got to put it away because then you just get too excited about it. And you want to start <laughs> teaching it somewhere else. But when we get, whenever we get into these things, one of the benefits of this is it will help you to know how to prepare now in case you are ever unable to pray for yourself. There are things you can do now to get that ready. There's also some things you can do now that will create problems. So we will get into that and uh, talk more about that line of things. But do know that uh, Sister Gray was not able to pray on her own. And that's why the, the story, I left that detail out. I, she told me that. I said, I can't believe I did that. I nearly kicked myself. <laughs> I did want to make sure I straightened that out with the, the rest of you. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God and the Son of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he, and his, and the, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again and the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But he, if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. doesn't say the light is not around him. It says the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. 
Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the, tw the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now, our purpose here today is not to teach on this particular episode, all the uh, nuts and bolts about this. It is a phenomenal story. It is very much misunderstood. I think the last time we were on this was about two years ago. But it's impossible to go through this and accomplish what we want without going over some of the details. So you have to know a few of these things. You've been here for a while. You already know these. If you haven't, um, it might be might be new to you. But the going theory on this that is uh, taught by a lot of uh, uh, people on this scripture is that Jesus waited until he would be dead four days so that he can come in and raise him from the dead and thereby do a great miracle. That is not the case. Jesus did not wait. God does not set up his miracles. He does not have to set up his miracles. He does not try and think, make things more difficult, have you suffer so he can make it more difficult for him and thereby get glory for all that. No, that's not what he's out there to do. As the disciples have just said in this, and if you went back into the context of this, you would see the Pharisees wanted to kill him. And they left the city because of the hostile attitude that was there. And uh, they apparently didn't pursue him. And so he went on off and was a, a, a bit of a ways away. But they sent, they knew where he was, he was at, and they sent news to him, hey, Lazarus is sick. So just to, to cut to the chase here on this, they figured, the people that wanted him dead, they figured that Jesus would come back to take care of his friend because he knew these were special people to him. Of course, we're supposed to love everybody, but there were some people that just really um, uh, helped you. probably have had that too with certain Christians. Certain Christians you just seem to mesh with more so than others, but you're still brothers and sisters to all of them. This was a family that he had a very close connection with and, and he loved greatly. And the people around knew it. The story will tell you that. Those people around him knew that this family was special to Jesus. So these guys set up shop at the gate, waiting for Jesus to come and return and to heal him. And when they did, when he did, when he would come, they would jump on him then and uh, kill him. And he would be done. And uh, nothing would, would happen. That's the perspective that Jesus has. If you're wondering... Way back here, uh, back here a little bit further, when he said, verse 9, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. What does that have to do with anything he said? Anything that's going on? About him being dead or him being alive or him being sick or any of that sort of stuff or the people trying to kill him. Jesus is saying this. When you walk around in the daytime, you don't get caught by traps. If you walk around at night, you can get caught by traps. You all know when you walk around at night, that's when you step on the Legos. <laughs> that's when you trip over the stools. That's when you find something that your feet weren't real steady on and you fall and you can get hurt. Um, unless you carry around a flashlight. Or if you have any of those, uh, you know those newfangled things you can put on your outlets? I love those. I haven't put any in yet. We don't have any real good spots for it. But you can get these little uh, night lights that go right onto your outlet. And when the night, when the night falls, it uh, turns on a little light that just illuminates the whole area right there. You can make them for your plugs down on the ground. You can make them for your light switches up on the top. Uh, they're phenomenal. So if you don't have anything like that in around, you can put that in your house. And then at nighttime, you don't have to carry around a flashlight. You just walk on by, you get light. There it is. Uh, but if you didn't have that, you could be tripping over some things. And this is what Jesus is relating to. 
If we walked in the night, we wouldn't see these things. But we walk in the day, and we see these things. What he's saying is, I see the trap they have set. And so these, these folks, they set the trap while he was sick, thinking he might come back. He didn't come back. He died. He's already raised people from the dead. This is not a problem. Jesus may still come back. So they waited on the first day. They waited on the second day. They waited on the third day. Anybody has, has anybody never not read the story in John chapter 11? Because I'm going to jump ahead on you here. Anybody not read it? Anybody know the story of Lazarus and raising from the dead? There's a, a funny aspect of the story that doesn't, the context does not illuminate it. And at the end of this, after he has raised him, uh, raised him from the dead, they said, we have never seen someone raised from the dead after four days. They are astounded. Four days. How many times is that in the passage? Four days. Because in the Jewish mind, this is not in God's mind, this is not in Jesus' mind, this is not in the Bible's mind, this is in the Jewish mind. Understand that. There is nothing biblical about this belief. It is just the Jewish belief of the day. I can't say this Jewish belief of today, but of the day when Jesus was there, this is their belief. The spirit of a person hangs around the body for three days to see if that body would be raised up. But then on the fourth day it goes. So when they see somebody raised on the first day, second day, third day, they don't think as much about it, but the fourth day, this blew their minds. Jesus did not wait until the fourth day to make this a more difficult miracle. They had the trap set for the first day, the second day, and the third day. After the third day, they decided he's not coming. They dispersed the trap. Because no one can get raised from the dead on the fourth day. So they disperse the trap. Jesus comes in right after they disperse the trap. He arrives because he's walking in the day, not the night. He sees the things that are going on because the Spirit of God reveals it to him. And so he comes in on the scene and does not go into town. You'll notice in the story, he doesn't go into town. He stays outside the town. They come to him. They go right to the tomb. They raise him from the dead. Jesus raises him from the dead. He's alive. Now, how are you going to kill someone who just raised someone from the dead after four days? They can't. Now he can walk into town and they can't do anything about it. They don't like it, but they can't do anything about it. That's the basis of the story. But that's not really what we're here to look at here today. So when Jesus came, verse 17, he found that he had already been dead in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Notice this about the story. Martha hears that Jesus is coming. If you and your sister are super close to Jesus and you hear that he's coming after your brother is dead, as a sister, what would be the first thing you would do? Would you not go and get Mary? Why does Martha not go and get Mary? Why does she meet Jesus by him by herself? It's intentional. Because she comes back and she gets married. Why does she go out to meet Jesus by herself? 
Tells you a whole lot about Martha right here. Let's read on the story. Just keep that in mind. All right. Verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again. I, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Now, there's a lot of times people make declarations that they don't believe. Christians do this all the time. You will hear Christians go around, I'm sure nobody here, but in other churches. People make these declarations, I am healed. But they don't believe it. Just because you make a declaration does not mean you believe it. You may think you believe it. You may desire to believe it. You may want it to come true. But it doesn't mean you believe it. Christians often make declarations. I believe whatever it is. But that's not really what's in the belief. They're fearing something different. But I'm trying to get rid of that. I'm trying to to go beyond it. So I'm declaring something different. Just because you declare something doesn't mean that you're living by it. If you believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world, if you believe that, are you going to rebuke him? Are you going to set him straight? No. If you really believe that Jesus was the Messiah, he was the Son of God, you would show up with Jesus, tell me what I did wrong. Tell me what's, what should I have done? Should we have done anything different? You would have been submitting to him. Instead of coming in here, Lord, if you had been here, he went, my brother would not have died. In other words, you operated under a wisdom, under a plan that was faulty. If you would have consulted me, I would have told you. I would have set you straight. I would have helped you with this. But you didn't consult me. You didn't ask for me. In fact, I even sent messengers to you to tell you to come, and you didn't come. And this is why Martha comes over here and talks to him privately. There's a whole lot of disbelief that is going on around here. And Martha is at the center of it. Now, she has to go and feel this thing out with Jesus and set it straight that what she has declared in the area of unbelief will not be undone. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She is the author of that wisdom. And that's why she comes here by herself. She doesn't bring Mary. I don't want Mary to see how I'm going to deal with Jesus. I'm going to deal with him on my own. Think of yourself. If you have to deal with somebody at work, if you have to deal with somebody who's a boss, if you have to deal with somebody in the neighborhood, if you have to deal with somebody in the family, and it's a hard thing, you've got to set them straight. How many of you are pulling them by themselves, pulling them, getting them alone, 
They set him straight. You're not bringing other people along. I don't want your opinion mixed in here. I need to set him straight. Martha has come in to set Jesus straight. She's mad. She's angry. She sees things from her perspective. She sees things from what she lost. I lost my brother. Jesus could have stopped this. Jesus didn't stop this. Now go back to a story that you may remember. You don't have to turn there. We're not going to turn there. Uh, but if you want to check it out later on. In Luke chapter 10, remember Jesus had come into the house and Jesus was teaching. And remember where Mary was? She's at the feet of Jesus listening. Where's Martha? She's in the kitchen getting stuff ready. Jesus didn't ask for food, but she's making food for everybody. She's getting all this ready. And she's in there. Sure. Mary. If Mary knew I was in here making food, she'd be in here helping me. Mary's always in here helping me. Mary's not coming in. Now, I don't know what happened there. We'll have to wait till the videotape happens. But I can imagine that uh, if you are in the kitchen by yourself and you expect someone else to be in there, how many of you are making more noise than necessary? <laughs> Banging some pots, dropping some things, letting them know, I'm out of here. I am by myself. No one's helping me. And if you heard that in the kitchen and you were the sister, how many of you are saying, she's calling me? Martha does not drop pots. She just doesn't do it. But she's dropped four of them already. She's calling me. I know it, but I'm staying right here. Have you ever been in a place like that? Somebody is calling you without using words. And finally, she gets to the end of what her flesh can take. She's trying to appease. She hits the end. She comes on out. Master, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve on my own? Don't you care? Don't you care? Sounds like uh, the disciples on the boat. Sounds like some other places that we've, we've seen that come up. Don't you care? What's, what is she saying right here? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had cared enough to be here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said to, said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the God, who is coming to the world. Now, you look at the history of these two. Mary is a woman of faith. Martha is a woman of service. Jesus said, at, back in Luke chapter 10, Martha, Martha, you are troubled about many things. But Mary has chosen the important, the important things. And she sat there at the feet and she was listening. She was hearing. How many of y'all know people that are all service oriented? And if you don't get in there and help them out, they're mad. Just like Martha. But Martha, she's been talking with the townspeople. And I'm going to show you something about Martha you may not have realized before. And it's real interesting. It's in the passage. It's in there. You have read it, but it may not have jumped out at you. We'll show you this here in a minute. 
But Martha, she's one of those people who goes around, she talks to everybody. You know, if Jesus had been here, my brother would not have died. Can't believe that Jesus didn't come. I thought Jesus really loved us. And then other people probably chimed in. Mary, Martha, I, I thought he, I thought you guys were special to him. I don't understand why he didn't come. And pretty soon all over the town, this is what's going on. She's had these conversations with Mary. He's been dead four days. They had a funeral. They put him in a tomb. She's talking with Mary. Mary, why didn't Jesus come? If Jesus would have come, we wouldn't be burying our brother. Look at all the things we've done for Jesus. And he could not make the trip out here to help us. See, they're just looking at their part from their perspective. They don't look at it that people were waiting to try and kill Jesus. They weren't looking at any of those other things. They were looking at the danger the disciples would have been in, Jesus would have been in. They didn't look at it. Maybe they wouldn't have even been able to accomplish the purpose if they came out the way that Martha was thinking they should. Not, all they're doing is, we lost our brother. You could have stopped it. Why didn't you? That's it. Just like you have people at work. Very small area. I have to work harder. I have to work longer because of what you did, because of what you're not doing. They don't care about anything else. They only care about this. They don't care that you took on 10 other projects to try and help them out. They don't care about that. I care about this is what I have to work on. You could tell them, well, look, I have to get these things. I don't care. Don't even tell you that. I don't care. That's your problem. This is my area right here. See, very small. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with people that have this perspective? Jesus is, is going to deal with people like that. And we can learn from Jesus. Jesus, is, he does it well. So we want to see what exactly he, he does. Now, it seems like she cuts off the conversation here in verse 28. And she just kind of goes on. Uh, she basically, I said my piece. And, and that's it. You have, you have people around like that? They just want to state their mind? You know the phrase? I want to give you a piece of my mind. <laughs> what if I don't want it? <laughs> what if I don't think you can spare it? <laughs> you may need all the pieces of mind that you have. Don't be going to giving them away. But she comes over. In fact, if you, if you read that, verse uh, 28, And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister. Now, she said all these things. Most people that operate in an immature basis, most people that operate in a flesh-oriented lifestyle, most people that are walking in this way are more concerned with what they say than what they hear. People who want to learn want to listen. People who want to be right and get what they want, they want to speak. They don't even care if you listen to them. Maybe you've ever, maybe you've heard this phrase from people that are in your family. Well, I don't know if they heard it or not, but I said it to them because it needed to be said. <laughs> we don't care if they heard it. I just want people to know I said it. No one else was brave enough to say these, I said it. Martha's going to go off the mirror. I told Jesus some things. He might be the Son of God, but he's got a few things to learn. 
This is who Martha is. I'll show you. I'm not the only one who has that opinion. I'll show you some people that have it. Some people, that's what they're like. They just want to be, be heard. I wrote this in your outline. I think I put this in your outline for you. They would, they would only hear the words of Jesus, or she would only hear the words of Jesus on her level, not the level Jesus was, was after, or what the situation needed. There are many people who you could speak wise words to, and they will not hear them on the level that is needed. They will hear them on the level they are. Just like with the, Jesus told the disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Remember he said that to them? And they thought, oh, it's because we didn't take bread. They heard what Jesus said on the level they were at. Jesus wanted them to hear it on a level that they needed. Sometimes God speaks things to us, folks, and we hear it on the level where we are, not the level that we need. And it doesn't help us the way that it should. Now, if God spoke it to you, then you can hear it on the level that you need. But you've got to submit. Martha's not about to submit. I got my opinion, and my opinion's right. And Jesus is going to hear it. Wrote this in your outline. This is nothing new. I gave this to you before. But we can have faith for the future and faith for the past easier than faith for the present. It is easier for me to believe that something will happen. It is easier for me to believe that something has happened. It is harder for me to believe that something will happen today. Now, the, their perspective was limited, but you know their declarations are absolute so far that we read. The disciples, what did they say? Remember their declaration? Let us go and die with them. See, they had a perspective of the night. Jesus is speaking from the day. He's not going to die, but they don't hear it. Jesus is telling them, I'm not going to die. Well, they don't hear it. And they make a declaration. Well, let's go and die with them. I mean, it's admirable. That's not right. Martha, you had been here. Verse 28 again. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. Secretly. Doesn't want everybody to know. Maybe Jesus said, look, don't tell everybody I'm here yet. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now watch this in verse 30. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. He stayed there. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her. Comforting who? didn't say comforting them, did it? It said comforting her. Who were they comforting? Yeah, what about Martha? Watch. And the Jews who were with her in the house, Martha's not in the house, and comforting her when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Now look at this. When, Mary, when Martha left to go meet Jesus, who followed? Nobody. When Mary leaves, 
to go see Jesus. They don't know she's going to see Jesus. Who follows? Everybody. Why? Because we would rather be walking with Mary than here with Martha. It was two times. Martha goes off to meet Jesus by herself. People saw her get up. People saw her leave. They may have been thinking the exact same thing. She's going to the tomb to weep there. How many left? Nobody. Now, you, now put yourself in the position here. How many of you have been in a family gathering and somebody in the family gets up and leaves and you're thinking, oh, they're gone. <laughs> have you ever thought that about some people in your family? Oh, they're gone. You don't get up and follow them. Why? I didn't want to be in the room when they were here. They're gone. <sighs> They're gone. But then somebody in the room gets up and goes, and now you're left with that person. What are you going to do? I don't know where she's going. Let's go with her. Let's go with her. Does that wording now make a little bit more sense? They were here to comfort her? Martha, you're a pain in the neck. You are always sticking your head out. You're always pushing your opinions off on everyone else. I don't really need to be around you. But Mary, <laughs> Mary's the sweet one. Mary's the nice one. Wherever Mary's going, we're going there. So they follow out to Mary. It's written in the Bible that way for a reason. You could just leave that out and just say that Mary went off to meet Jesus. They didn't say that. Why did they make it specifically pointed that no one followed Martha, everyone followed Mary? All right, let's go on. Then when she came, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Exactly the same thing. Now, I've probably mentioned this to you before. Whenever on the, on the cop shows, if y'all like cop shows, I like cop shows. I enjoy cop shows. Good NCIS episode. Love a good NCIS episode. It's one of my favorite ones out there. But when, um, oh, what's the, Danny. When Danny brings somebody into the interrogation room and his partner, she brings somebody in the interrogation room, then they interrogate them and they both have exactly the same answer. What does Danny always say? What does any cops always say on the shows? They rehearsed it. Whenever two people that are suspected of something have exactly the same line, they always say they rehearsed it. In other words, they say this. All right, Matt, if we get caught, this is what we say. We're not, we're not saying what happened because if, if he describes what happened and I describe what happens, we use different words. But if we rehearse it, Matt, this is what happened. If they ask you, I was at the movies. <laughs> Something like that. And if it's exactly the same way, you know you rehearsed it. It was, it was done. They, they haven't necessarily rehearsed this, but Martha has pitched this every which way. If Jesus would have been here. If Jesus would have been here. If Jesus would have been here. Mary's got this in her head. She's, Lord, if you had been here. My brother would not have died. Now, another part, very important part here coming up. 
I want you to see. Because we've all dealt with Marthas, haven't we? They've spread this poison all around the workplace. And wherever you go, this is what they're saying. You ever, uh, we talked about the, the media sometimes. The media, the first time I noticed it, I had help. I didn't notice it because I'm so smart. I had help noticing it. But way back, uh, I believe uh, one of the Bushes was running for president. He picked his, his vice president uh, running mate, uh, uh, Cheney. And every, the next day, after he picked him, the next day, not next week, the next day, every single news media outlet, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, all the, you name them, all of them used exactly the same description to describe Cheney. Well, he brings, anybody remember the word? He brings gravitas. I never even heard that word before. Never heard that word before. But if you can go back, this is the first time I noticed it. And I, I had help. Somebody put together an entire montage for me to listen to. And I heard, I think it was at least 12 news agencies the next day describing Cheney with the exact same word. He has gravitas. I had to look that up. I didn't even know what it means. Now, since then, it has been done on a normal basis. Whenever something goes on, the next day, whatever event, all the news outlets are using exactly the same phraseology. There's only one way that happens. Because if you are in news, aren't you supposed to be coming up with something original? Isn't it important to have something different than the ones done? But they don't. They all have exactly the same thing. They all have exactly the same outlook. How did they come to it? One of the reasons I have no confidence in them. She comes. Now there's a reaction we get from Jesus. This is a reaction I want you to see. This is important. It's a very misunderstood reaction. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I made this note, and I think it's in your outline. It seems a limited perspective distributes faster than one that is more circumspective. You, you try it. If you get the wisdom of God on a matter, if you're at work and you talk to 15 people to get the perspective, and you start chatting about that, that doesn't seem to go very fast. That doesn't make its way around. But you have a flesh reaction. If he would have been here, gets all around town. Just spreads. Flesh seems to fast, spread faster. Wisdom is seldom honored by flesh. Now notice, as I've, I, I put it in the outline here for you, notice all the mourners did not follow Martha, only Mary. Probably glad that, Mar that Martha left. Oh, good, she's gone. Now, if people begin to flock away from you, the way they flocked away from Martha, it may be a sign that you have become more Martha than Mary. Don't get mad at them. Try to get yourself more like a Mary. Now, by the time Jesus arrives, Martha's doubt has spread to all the Jews, including Mary. As we said, Martha's words are identical to her words that caused Jesus grief. Let's, uh, let's read that over. Verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Why is it that when he saw Martha weeping 
when he saw Martha sad, when she came, that he does not have this same reaction. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Did you ever ask yourself, why is it that Jesus was not troubled with Martha? But he's troubled with Mary. It's real easy. You all have lived this. This is not hard to figure it out. How many, you all love your family. How many, raise your hand. You love your family. Come on. There you go. Good statement. Good. Love our family. But there are certain people in the family that if they're crying and they're getting upset, you're thinking, well, there it goes again. There goes Agnes. There goes Joe. Here come the tears. Oh, yeah. Here, right on time. You just know this is how they respond. It's just to get attention. But then you have other ones. And if they start showing emotion, what's wrong? What's go- I can tell something's wrong. What's go- Don't you have that? Isn't there a different level of concern with some people than others? Some people, they get upset. and You are, what's going on? Come on, I'm not leaving. You got to tell me what's going on. And other people, you see them putting on the show. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> I don't even want to know. Don't even want to know. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, how, see how he loved him. Oh, I tell you, this worst verse is taught so, taught so many things. People believe that Jesus is sad because Lazarus has died. Because the people in the Bible think that Jesus is sad because Lazarus has died. That is not why Jesus is sad. If you look at the entire picture here. Martha comes. Does he cry? Does he weep? No. When he tells the disciples, look, Lazarus is dead. I'm going to raise him up. Does he cry? Does he weep? Is he sad? He gets the news back there that Lazarus is dead. There is no response. He sees Martha. She's crying. There is no response that way. He sees Mary this way and now he's sad. Why would we think this has anything to do with Lazarus? What is he going to do with Lazarus? He's going to raise him up from the dead. Why would he be weeping over the guy? We're going to raise him up in just a few more minutes. He's going to be up and out of the tomb. I don't have to be sad. What is it about this that makes him sad? It's Mary. It's not Lazarus. Mary. He has high hope for Mary. Higher hopes for Mary than Martha. When they're at the house, Mary's here at the feet of Jesus learning. Yeah, this is what you ought to be doing, Martha. Learn right here. She's getting the important stuff. He knows that Mary has faith in her. She is a woman of faith. Martha is a woman of service. Mary is a woman of faith. Here we got this person of faith who has come to Jesus and said exactly the same thing as Martha. And he was sad. Has the doubt and unbelief that is in Martha even spread to you, Mary? Look at all these people that the doubt and unbelief in Martha has spread to all these people. He had higher hopes. 
He had put a lot into these people, not just into these three, but into this town. He put a lot into them. Mary was in possession of the word. She just wasn't applying it. Jesus knows, Mary, you've got what you need for this situation, but you're not using it. You're not applying it. How does the person of faith, Mary, sink to the level of the person of service, Martha? How does that happen? Now, Mary had faith for healing, but not for raising from the dead. What happens when you reach your level of faith? Have you ever had that? I believe that Jesus will heal me of headaches. But the doctor gives you a report where your headaches are because of a tumor. I don't have tumor faith. I have headache faith. Tumor faith is different. Now I'm thrown. See, you hit the level of your faith. Mary hit her level. Her, she believed Jesus can heal. But I don't know that I believe for raising of the dead, especially after four days. Now she had doubt discussions with Martha. And in those doubt discussions, she probably brought up some of the word that was in her. Some of the faith that was in her. And Martha shot it down to the point that Mary is now the same level as Martha. Now, apply that to you. At work, have there been times when people that are like Martha, when there are people that are of unbelief, people that are flesh-oriented, people that are trying to take advantage of you, they begin to get other people on their side. And you are no longer just contending with that one person. You're now contending with the five that they have recruited. And then that evil that was in them has spread to more. Now you're contending with ten. Have you been in a situation like that? Maybe even in a family situation. One family member, member is disgruntled with the way that you did something. And they talk to another family member. Now you got two. And then they go and they talk to others. Now you got four, five, six. Now pretty soon the whole family is against you because of this flesh perspective. Because this one person had a perspective that only benefited them but they spread it out to everyone else. And then they all come after you. And you see, Jesus is going to deal with this though. Now the enemy wants to get in our thinking he wants, you to, he wants to get you to first off doubt the intentions of others. Lord, if you had been here, if you had better intentions, they want you to distract the actions of others. I don't know what you were doing that kept you away. Whatever it was, it was not as important as coming here. They want you to doubt the intentions of others. They want you to distrust the actions of others. They want you to assume a wrong conclusion. I'm amazed at how many people come to conclusions and never talk to the people involved. All you need to, not you folks, but other people, all they need to do is watch the news and they have concluded exactly what is wrong in the Middle East. Never talk to anybody. They have concluded, I know exactly what's wrong with Russia and Ukraine. Why? Why watch the news? Now, unless you talk to the people involved, you don't have what you need. Flesh will get you to assume a wrong conclusion. They'll discuss these with like-minded people. It just fans the flame. 
and they'll act in a negative way towards others. This is what the enemy wants you to do, what he wants to get you involved with. Verse 37, And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again groaned in himself, came to the tomb. Why did he groan in himself? Because he came to the tomb? No, because he got all these people. I saw great things he did. Why couldn't he have taken care of this one? Down in his spirit, he's groaning. Really? Is that how short-sighted you are? You can't see anything past your own self? How does Jesus deal with these people? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, if you want to get, you know, bring this home, especially some of you, you kids out there, Max, this is an experiment for you. If your mom has some chicken parts that she's not going to use, I want you to take them outside and put them under a bucket in the sun and leave it there for four days. And then, <laughs> he already knows. <laughs> I already knows. And then just take the cover, the bucket off and... Oh, that'd be terrible. You see, that's what they're saying to Jesus. If we open up that tomb, oh, man, it's going to stink out here. It's going to be bad. I love my brother, but not right now do I want to be that close to him. Mm. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? This tells you right here in Jesus' statement, what he was speaking to them was for the now. They were hearing it for the future. It is much easier for your faith to believe that Jesus is coming than for your faith to believe that Jesus is here. It's a whole lot easier to believe that Jesus will heal me than it is to believe that Jesus has healed me. future is easy. Because whenever it is, Jesus is coming. Well, it might be five years, might be 50 years, might be 100 years. But Jesus is coming. I can believe for that. But to believe something for the now, I don't have as much wiggle room. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now notice who is the one who brings the objection. Lord, he's been dead four days. Who said that? Martha, not Mary, not the other people. Martha is the one who's going to correct Jesus. Martha is the leader in the correcting of Jesus. How many of y'all know some people in your life that are smarter than God? Well, if I was God, that wouldn't be going on. Well, if God, I was God, I'd heal that one. If I was God, I would do it this way. They're smarter than God. Martha is one of those people. She's smarter than God. She Just consult Martha and you'll know exactly what to do. Jesus' problem is he hasn't consult Martha. Martha. Jesus, if you would have consulted me before you came down here to the tomb, I would have told you, don't take the stone away. He's been dead four days. He will smell. Oh, Martha, I would not even have thought of that. 
huh. But how many times do we give corrections to, to God in our prayers? Lord, you know you should heal me by now. Look at all the faith. Look at all the things I've done. Look at all the stand. Mm-hmm. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, they didn't open the tomb up because the tomb needed to be opened so the power of God can get in there. They opened the tomb up for the purpose of getting the dead man to come out. He did not open the tomb up for any other reason than for Lazarus to come out. But he does that when he's dead. Does he say, well, I opened the tomb so that Lazarus can come out? Doesn't say that, does he? Why? They can't hear it. See, sometimes, folks, we speak things to people who can't hear it. They'll hear something spiritual in the realm of the flesh and they'll scoff at it. We don't need scoffers. Let's just keep them ignorant. Let's just not tell them what's going on. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He does not say, Lazarus, be healed. He does not say, Lazarus, come back to life. He says, come out. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Now see, he's got nothing but doubt from Martha and she's very vocal with it. He expects faith from Mary. He doesn't get it. He expects something more from the other people. But the people that are so caught up with their flesh that doubt is riddled through their body tend to dominate conversations. They will speak their mind even when their mind is not right. We a lot of times will take a back seat to it and be timid. We've got to learn what Jesus did. That's what we need to do here. Now, I gave it to you this way. Are we just posing? We're using a little acronym here for pose. I looked up what pose means. It means to assume a particular attitude or stance, especially with the hope of impressing others. To assume a particular attitude or stance, especially with the hope of impressing others. Martha is posing as someone spiritual, one who can correct Jesus, she is posing as one who believes that he's the Messiah, but she's not speaking to him like he is the Messiah. She's not speaking to other people about him like he is the Messiah. Flesh leading. When we follow a flesh leading, it makes one prideful and superior. If you want to tell whether you are following a flesh leading, you will feel superior in your viewpoint and prideful. Jesus is different on this. Now let's take a look at, at uh, Martha first. We put this here in, a, in the acronym for you. First one is purpose. A state that Jesus is the Messiah, but feel they know better what Jesus should have done. 
Jesus, I know the purpose that you, I don't know the purpose that you went after, but I know the purpose that you should have gone after. The purpose that you should have gone after is to preserve the life of my brother. But you were not focused in on that purpose. You were focused in on something else. But you should have been here. People that are of the flesh, their purposes are off because their vision is off. They only can see themselves and what benefits them. Or maybe a few of the loved ones that are around them. The second area is outlook. They assumed that what benefited them benefited the kingdom. When you follow after the flesh, your purpose will be skewed, your outlook will be skewed. It will be messed up. It's not going to be done. It's not going to be right. They assumed that what was good for Martha and Mary was good for Jesus. What was good for Lazarus was good for Jesus. How many people have you worked around that assume if it's good for me, it's good for you? We're going through all this stuff with some people being working at home and some people not working at home. There's, there's people who say, well, I like to work from home, so if it's good for me, it's good for you. And other people, I don't want to work from home. Well, if it's good for me, it's good for you. We have a limited perspective. The more flesh-oriented we are, the more limited our perspective our outlook will be skewed. Here's the third area, sensitivity. Their feelings and desires are most important and true, clouding their vision. How many work with people, their own feelings, their own desires, that's the most important thing. Their sensitivity, I'm not real sensitive to you. You could come in late one day out of the entire month and they're on you like flies on flypaper. I mean, but they can be late three times a week. And it's okay because they had a good reason. We had a good excuse. I'm late coming back for lunch because I had a good excuse. I don't care what yours was. Yours is not a good excuse because it's not mine. Don't work around people like that. These are flesh-dominated people. How do we deal with these folks? Sensitivity. Purpose, outlook, sensitivity. Last one, evaluation. What they need, what they needed is what Jesus should have done. You've seen this at work? Well, I needed this day off. And they'll try and pitch it in a way that the whole company would have benefited if I would have had off. Of course, you're probably thinking they got a permanent off. Whole company will benefit from that. Purpose, outlook, sensitivity, and evaluation. Corrupted by their flesh. No matter if they're Christians, it doesn't make any difference. What Martha is doing is flesh masquerading as something more. It's nothing but flesh of what she has, but it's masquerading as something more. In Jesus, we see that spirit leading makes you humble and submitted. The difference between a person who is flesh-led and a person who is spirit-led the spirit-led person is humble and submitted. What do you need? Martha was not submitted. She wanted Jesus to be submitted to her. She's filled with pride. My way is best. You should have done it my way. Did you know Jesus had to deal with people like this? Now, let's see how Jesus did it. First off, as far as purpose goes, Jesus bypasses their flesh statements and probes for information. 
Why weren't you here? What were you doing that you were, it was so important? How many people have you been here? Raise your hand. Let's don't use your inside one. I want you to raise your outside hand. How many people have ever been inquired about by other people, why didn't you do this that I needed done? There. And how many of you also answered them? All right, now look at the story. When Martha comes and Mary and they say, why weren't you here, basically? How does Jesus answer them? Does he tell them what he was doing? Does he tell them that he was walking in the day like he, like he told his disciples? Does he offer any explanation at all as to why he did what he did? Yeah, none at all. Don't feel obligated. One of the first things we got to make sure that we do when we are dealing with people that are in the flesh, do not feel obligated to answer any of their questions. Don't do it. Jesus didn't do it. This is not the only time he didn't do it. If Jesus does not do it, why do we feel compelled? When the Pharisees would come and ask Jesus, point of question, why do you do this? Why do you not wash? Why do you, whatever it might be, why do you heal on the Sabbath? Does he sit down and have a discussion with them and defend what he's doing? No, he does not. That's the example, folks. We're getting into trouble because we're not doing it like Jesus did. Just because someone in the flesh can come up with a question does not mean you need to answer it. Now, Jesus doesn't say, I'm not going to answer your question, does he? No, he just moves on. He starts talking about something else. And redirecting with Martha, he starts talking about the resurrection. With Mary, where have you laid him? He's not answering her questions either. And she's more of a person of faith. You're going to have people and they ask questions and they get you frustrated. Why do I have to defend, my, defend myself? Why do I have to say where I was? Why do I have to say why I didn't do this? And you get mad. And then you give maybe not the whole answer, maybe a part of the answer, but they don't have the whole answer, they only got part of the answer. And then they go off and they start telling that in the least flattering way possible. How many have ever had that happen? You tried to give a little bit of an explanation and they take that out of context, twist it, and pretty soon you have done this for no good reason at all. Do not give them any fuel and feel completely fine about it. Just be rest, at rest. Listen to your spirit. That's what Jesus does. He listens to his spirit and says what his spirit's saying. He doesn't answer the question. He doesn't ignore them. But he doesn't answer the question. He goes on to what's important. Where did you lay them? Let's get on with this. Bypass their flesh statements and probes for information. Just bypass them. Go up into something else. Pretend like they didn't even ask it. Let's take a look at the outlook. He operates by the Father's light, not other people's expectations. I'm sure you all can relate to this. How many times have you been in a situation and other people's expectations of what you should do caused you to do something? Their expectations would have caused Jesus to come at a time that the Father didn't say, which means he would not have come in the light. He would not have come in the day. He would have come at a time when there'd be a problem. Do not live up to other people's expectations. Don't feel any pressure from it. That's your flesh on the inside 
saying, if you would just appease them, if you just make them feel good, stop appeasing people. You're not going to get to the place of having peace appeasing people. Because as soon as you give them that, what are they going to do? I'm going to find something more I want. You find out what God wants you to give and you give it. Don't give anything more. God, what do you want me to do here? I want you to do this. Boy, I don't want to do that. But I need you to do it. Okay. But I did it because the Father said to. I mean, sometimes people are coming out and they're drilling you. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? And the Spirit of God may come up on the inside of you and say, look, just go over there and I want you to hug them. And I want you to tell them that you love them. God, right now, I don't really love them very much. God says, I want you to go over there. I want you to hug them. I want you to tell them that you love them. All right, I'll be obedient. And they're over there fussing, raising a fuss. You just go over there, come here. And you give them a hug. I want you to know I love you. You Don't do it because I'm just going to do that because Pastor Steve said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You'll get yourself in trouble. Do it because it comes up on your spirit. When your spirit says, this is what you ought to do. My Max and me are out there fighting over the same toy. You guys don't fight over toys anymore. You fight over the other things. You know, same same uh, electronic. Your, your flesh can come up. But if you listen to your spirit, listen to what your spirit is telling you to do, you'll bring peace in the situation. That's how we need to, to do. We need to bring peace. So, purpose, outlook, habit, sensitivity. He focuses on what needed to get done, not people's nonsense. Don't focus on people's nonsense. People are busy about a lot of stuff that really doesn't matter. What's Jesus focused on? When he comes into town, what is he focused on? The tomb. I need to get to the tomb. Now, it's interesting. The Spirit of God told him what to say, told him what to do. Apparently, didn't tell him where the tomb was. So, where's it, where did you lay him? And they took him to the tomb. Focus on what needs to get, needs to get done. I need you all to tell me where you put them, what tomb you put them into. That's really all I need you for. Make sure your sensitivity is tuned to the right thing. Focus on what needs to get done. Be sensitive to that. God, what do you want done here? The last one. Evaluation. Understand their souls are not ready for a learning opportunity and doesn't try. He understands their souls are not ready for a learning opportunity. He doesn't bring Mary and Martha around and says, now look, Mary and Martha, I've taught you guys faith. If you guys were being in faith, we could do some things here. He doesn't try and teach them. He doesn't try and instruct them. He doesn't try and call back to mind. Remember when we did this over here? He doesn't do any of that. Because this is not a teaching opportunity. There are many Christians who try and make teaching opportunities out of such situations and they wonder why they fail. And why people got mad at them. They're in the flesh. They are not ready. But how many know they are probably more ready when Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb? (laughs) Oh man, what do you want to teach me? (laughs) What do you want to teach me? What's going on? 
When, you, when the people in your family, when the people at your workplace see this power of God working through you on your job, working through you to bring peace into your family, working through you, blessing you, when they see that going on, they're suddenly they're going to come to you and say, can you tell me how does God minister to you that way? How does God use you this way? Can you tell me that? See, now they're ready for to be taught. You try and teach people when they're not ready to be taught. It won't help. Even Mary. Mary was not ready to be taught. She's over there and caught up in the flesh like the other ones are. That's why you got to be careful. The company you keep. You get too many Marthas in your life. I'm not saying you can't have any Marthas. I'm saying don't get too many of them. Make sure that you get around people that are going to pull you. Because Mary got pulled over. Jesus did not expect Mary to get pulled over. When he sees that she's pulled over, that's when he weeps. That's when he said, how, the work I've been doing here, how is it that it just evaporates? It's just gone. Have you ever felt that an opportunity to demonstrate or to teach a truth is too too important? So you speak up. Well, I just got to say this. I have just got to put this. It's too important. Y'all, you need to know this is what's going on you and you take the opportunity and no one's ready to listen. And all you did was you put up a wall between that and whatever wisdom you were spouting. They're going to be less resistant or less open to hear it down the road. So Jesus was accused by people who didn't see the whole picture just like you have. Their viewpoint was only what matters to me or what matters to us, what I would lose, and what I see is important. That's it. They confessed him to be Messiah. They confessed him to be greater than they were, but their thoughts and their actions, they didn't seem to back it up, what they were stating with their mouths. Follow what Jesus did. Do as Jesus did. Stay focused on the Father's purpose. Why does God have you in this family? Why does God have you on this job? What is your purpose here in this job? Is it just to make money? What is the purpose that God has for you on the job? Don't lose sight of that. Bypass their flesh statements. Bypass their probes for information. Not what you're here for. Second, Jesus operates by the Father's light, not other people's expectations. Don't you do it. Operate by the light of the Father. Operate by the light of the Word. Operate by that light. Don't operate by other people's expectations. You're going to get out there in the wrong wrong place. Don't do it. You become like Mary. Maintain a spiritual outlook. Jesus maintained a spiritual outlook and did not let his feelings get hurt or operate by them. You're going to have flesh people in your family. You're going to have flesh people in your work and they're going to say some hurtful things. Do not let your feelings get involved. Jesus wept. Jesus, he was hurt. But he did the purpose he was there for. I am not going to let the hurtful things that you guys are saying interfere with me accomplishing what I'm supposed to do. And you go out and get it done. Lastly, he did not try to teach principles that wouldn't be heard. 
He waited for the opportunity to teach them. Purpose, outlook, sensitivity, and evaluation. You need to do these things by the Spirit of God and not by the flesh. The flesh is going to try and pull you into a wrong purpose, into a wrong outlook, into a wrong sensitivity, and into a wrong evaluation. Because if it can do that, it can get you off in the wrong direction. Jesus doesn't try, well, let's just give it a shot this way and see how it works. He doesn't do that. Often Christians will do so. But when you walk in the Spirit, you don't give things a try. I'm not telling you, give it a try to do these things by the Spirit. Well, all right, I'm going to make sure my flesh stays out and when I'm talking to my spouse, when I'm talking to my kids, when I'm talking to my in-laws, when I'm talking to my outlaws, when I'm talking to whoever else is in the family, when I'm talking to my boss, when I'm talking to my employees, when I'm talking to my co-workers, and they get all fleshy, I'm going to take the high road and do what God said to do, and you do it for two weeks, and they don't change. Well, forget this. I'm going back. I'm going to fight fire with fire. If they want to be fleshly, I can be more so. And we go after it. You didn't change anything. All you did was put a flesh patch over, I'm sorry, a spirit patch over flesh. That's all you did. No, we're talking about a lifestyle here. I'm talking you do this no matter what. This is how I'm going to live. I'm not going to be moved by your flesh emotions. I remember Brother Hagen, uh, he just, he would be walking he just didn't get worried about things. I don't know if you remember this story. He, he tells a story. I think it was him. I don't think it was his wife. That she was getting frustrated with him because it didn't seem like he ever cared about them. And she said, I think they were getting ready to go into the house. And she was so frustrated, she just said to him, you know, I think if we, if my, myself and the kids, if we just drop dead right here, you wouldn't worry about it one bit. And his response may not have helped him a whole lot. But his response was, well, there'd be no sense worrying about it then. <laughs> but that's the way he kind of, he kind of lived things and, and did things. You want to be sensitive to people, but you've got to be sensitive to the Spirit. What is the Spirit having you do? You have people like Mary, you have people like Martha in your life, and they're going to try and disrupt. Just know they're coming. Listen to the Father. Think about Jesus. How did Jesus handle Martha? How did Jesus handle Mary? Martha, he knew what to expect. Probably he saw her coming. Here it comes, guys. I wonder what he said to his disciples when he saw Martha. Martha coming down the road. All right, guys, get ready. It's coming. I can just see him saying something like that. But don't worry about it, guys. It's all right. She's going to vent a little bit, but it's going to be okay. And then he saw Mary. Ah, oh, here comes Mary. And then she spouted the same things. You can kind of feel the hurt. Mary, I kind of thought you'd be above this. You had the tools. You stayed and you've listened to the teaching. You've got the word in you. But all you got coming out is flesh. 
And Jesus wept when he saw that. How does Jesus respond when he sees us handling the flesh people in our life? Are we like the strife makers that are around us? Or are we answering his call to be the peacemaker? Peacemaker doesn't mean that you take everything. Peacemaker means you speak to what you need to speak to. You stay on the purpose that God has. And you don't let people, what they say, stir up your feelings and get you off. You stay on your purpose. You all know this as a parent. Those kids can be fleshly. They can do flesh things. But you as a parent need to stay spiritual. You need to stay on point. You've seen parents in the stores, in the Walmarts, get fleshly with their fleshly kids. It doesn't work. You've got to stay spiritual. We'll stay on the purpose. Keep the right outlook. Stay sensitive to the right things. And make a spirit-based evaluation. And then act. Stay with it. Don't be moved off of it. They're going to throw a fit. Flesh people throw fits. That's what they do. Just know it's coming. Jesus may have even said to his disciples, here comes, here comes Martha, she's going to throw a fit. You just watch. You got to throw a fit. Don't, get, don't let it move you guys. It's all right. <laughs> people, they're going to throw a fit. They're going to try and get you to move. They really want you to come down to their level. But don't do it. Watch how Jesus did it. There's more examples of this in the Word of God. You can probably begin to think of them yourself as you see it operating here. But this is the thinking of flesh we see in Martha. This is the speech of flesh that we see in Martha. And it is the way of a strife maker that we see in Martha. She stirs up strife. She's not content just to be strife in herself. She's got to spread it to other people. But in Jesus, we see the thinking of a spirit-controlled person. We see the speech of a spirit-controlled person. And we see the way of a peacemaker. This whole narrative here in this chapter is filled with people who make strife. But there's only one peacemaker. Only one person who's bringing peace. If you don't think like a strife maker, you won't speak like one. If you don't speak like a strife maker, you won't act like one. And if you don't think, speak, and act like a strife maker, you won't be a strife maker. You'll be a peacemaker. But it's up to you. How are you going to think? How are you going to speak? How are you going to act? So how can I see the signs that I'm going in the way of a Martha or a Mary and do something about it before strife? I told you I have this list. Still going to get into it here. We will. I'll put it off till next week now, but I think we're going to get into it next week. Because I want, to let, I want you to see something. We're going to take a look at someone who was a peacemaker and did something very public and very harsh. And sometimes, as a peacemaker, you're going to have to do something very public and very harsh in order to bring peace. How many of you have been around people who have done things very public and very harsh and all it did was bring about strife? Anybody, as uh, Charles Barkley would say, 
any knucklehead can speak their mind and bring strife. But it takes someone who follows the Spirit of God to speak publicly, directly, maybe even harshly, and bring about peace. I'm going to show you how to do that. I'm going to show you an example of it being done. I'm going to show you this list that you can determine. Am I going the way of Martha? Or am I going the way of Jesus? Would you all stand up with me? And Father, we thank you that in your word you gave so many examples of how we can live this Christian life. How we can do the things that you told us to do. How you have empowered us. I thank you so much for the examples of people who lived your word. That we can look to Jesus and see how he brought about peace in the midst of a bunch of strife makers. Amidst a bunch of people who sought after what they needed, what they wanted, what they thought should be done. Amidst people who thought he was the Son of God, the Messiah, but not above correcting him. We live around people like this. They don't recognize the wisdom of God. They don't want to hear the wisdom of God. But just as Jesus walked into this situation and brought about a great miracle, we can do the same thing. Thank you for your wisdom. You will speak to us and you will help us in every situation where we are, whether it be in our homes, in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our extended family settings. You will help us. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, glory to God. Gave you the updates in the bulletin on um, on Lucy. Of course, you all can go over to Lucy directly. And I told you in the bulletin, I wasn't sure she was coming. I just want to make sure I said something about it before. But it was nice to see her coming on out and, and make it. Uh, gave you the update on Phyllis there too. That's the latest update that I have on, on her. And um, uh, I know the temptation is to uh, text, listen, call, and find out how things are going. Just... Um, um, I intend to leave them alone. If they call me, uh, they, they will call me with whatever they need. But um, as soon as I hear anything that is uh, deemed to be public, <laughs> uh, they may send us some updates just to where it's going. I don't think I'm going to hit, hit you with all those. But if they say, all right, here's what's going on, I will make sure to have it on out in your box. This is one of those times I know these are the kind of things are when it's dealing with people. You know, when I was texting about Lucy, it was kind of later at night than I usually went, went with, but I thought it was important that y'all know. When uh, we have some of those things to go on, I may text beyond my normal hours, but not too far. <laughs> I have my limits on what I'll, what I'll do, but uh, if something happens late, I'll make sure to let you know early in the morning what's going on and how that, uh, that is playing out. Uh, tomorrow we have a fantastic teaching on healing from Brother Hagen. He's going to teach you some things about the different ways that you can receive healing. Uh, he does a, just one, one short uh, ministry, and I gave you a, a little summary there in the, in the bulletin. I uh, hope you get to make this, uh, give this one a listen. It was really, really good. I actually had another one ahead of this one. I heard this one this week. So, oh, this is right along the line with some of the things we're doing. We need to hear this one. So it's out there. It'll be out there tomorrow at 11 o'clock. We'll, we'll have that uh, hit the airways. If you're on the text message line, and, uh, you'll get it that way as well. Have a great rest of your day. Appreciate you starting the day here with us.